Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today praising your name. Father, we come lifting high the name of Christ together because you are our God and you are holy and you are good. And so, Lord, today I pray that our hearts would be set upon you and you alone. That, Father, we would not be filled with thoughts of other things, that we would not be pulled aside by distractions of the things of the world, that, Father, we would not be concerned with the cares of this life, but that, Father, in this time, as we gather together to worship you, that our focus, our thoughts, our attention is on you. And so, Father, as we come to your word together this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to your people today. That, Lord, we would not hear your word as something that is optional. That we would not hear your word as something that we should take under advisement, Lord, but that we would hear and rightly see your word as authoritative, as binding upon us, and that, Lord, we would adjust our lives and our minds and our hearts accordingly. But, Lord, we cannot do this on our own. And so, Lord, we pray that in your grace and in your mercy toward us, Lord, that you would work the miracle of sanctification by your Spirit. Use this time to grow your people today, Lord. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Please turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 is where we will be this morning. Today in our series through the book of Exodus, we move into what has historically been known as the second table of the law. The first four commandments, all relating to our relationship with God, are known as the first table of the law. And the next six, which all relate to our relationships with one another, are the second table. Remember what our Lord Jesus Christ said when asked about the greatest commandment. He said, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so the first four commandments help us to understand how we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the next six are to help us to understand how we are to love our neighbor as our self. That does not mean that these commandments that we're going to cover over the next six weeks are unrelated to our relationship with the Lord, but instead we should rightly understand that our striving to obey these commandments is born out of a right relationship with the Lord. So, for example, taking today's commandment, 
into consideration, the first and most important way that we honor our parents is by rightly worshiping the one true God. We should rightly see the second table of the law as vital and important to our love for God. We cannot approach these things in the right way. Uh, we can't approach these things as if we can only focus on the first four and ignore the others. As long as we get the first four commandments right, the other six are not as relevant. We cannot approach them in that way. But as we look today at the fifth commandment to honor our father and our mother, we must also recognize that this commandment, like the four that we have already studied, carries with it necessary inferences that shape our lives in ways that are morally binding. And it also has limitations that must be recognized because this commandment has far too often been abused by domineering parents who seek to control their children rather than love them well. So let's look together at the fifth commandment found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, where we will first consider the foundations of society. You'll see that we have two points this morning, and that is our first one, the foundations of society. So let's look together at Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, which says this, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I'll begin by saying that at its most basic level, the fifth commandment calls upon us to respect, to love, to obey, and when necessary, to care for our parents. I'll say that one more time. At its most basic level, the fifth commandment calls upon us to respect, to love, to obey, and when necessary, to care for our parents. There's more, to that, there's more to it that we're going to touch upon, but I wanted to make that much clear right from the start. And there are obviously ways that these things shift over the course of our lives. For example, the call to care for your parents when you are a child is not the same as the call to care for your parents when you are an adult and your parents are elderly. Okay? So there, there's a shifting there. But despite the way that those things shift, the basic tenet of honoring your parents is something that remains in effect for the entire length of their lives. There is no point at which you outgrow the command to honor your mother and your father. It is in effect as long as they live. And it is especially important. As I said before, this is the first of the commandments that pertain to our, we'll call them horizontal responsibilities. And we should not overlook the significance that it has in being the first one listed. It is significant that when we get to the second table of the law, where the Lord gives us the ways that we should interact with other human beings, this is the first of those commands, to honor your father and your mother. And it's not just significant because the Lord has placed it first in the second table. When we get to Exodus 24 later this year, we will see that the penalty for the disobedience of your parents, kids, Look at me and listen really carefully, because this is important. In Exodus 24, we will see that the penalty for disobeying your parents is the same as the penalty for blasphemy and idolatry. 
under the law of Moses, the penalty for those things is death. And a hush fell over all the children. The Lord shows us the significance of this command through the severity of the punishment for breaking it. Kids, all of you have consequences for disobeying your parents. None of you face the death penalty for doing it. Be glad we do not live under the law, but under grace. In fact, further showing us the significance of this command, there are only two beings that Moses tells us to honor in the first five books of Scripture. God and our parents. Now, technically, our parents are, are two beings in and of themselves, but the Bible also says the two become one flesh, so I'm counting them as one being, okay? So the only ones that we are called to honor in the first five books of the Bible are God and our parents. So in case you were not really buying into the idea that this commandment is incredibly important, I hope that that helps you to see how important this is. The Lord, through Moses, is showing us the centrality of the family within creation. In fact, if you think back to Genesis 1, when the Lord made Adam and then made Eve, he specifically talked about how a man will leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and told them to be fruitful and to multiply. And so from the very beginning, the family has been and is intended to be the central unit of creation. As the family goes, so goes society. And we can see this to be true here in our nation. We can see it to be true here in our nation. With the family under assault from multiple angles. One of the most insidious things that I hear in the world today is I hear government officials, teachers, other leaders in society say things like, they're not your children, they're all our children. This idea of deconstructing the family and making us all one big family runs counter to what the Lord intends. And the reason why the world attacks the family and attempts to sever the relationship between parents and children is because the enemy knows that this is an exceptionally effective way to cast humanity into utter chaos. When families are broken, society is broken. It is important. It is important to honor your father and your mother. It is a moral command of God to honor your father and your mother. So let's circle back and talk about what it, what it looks like. What does it mean to honor your parents? Well, first, we should consider what we're told in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. My children know this verse by heart. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And immediately after giving this instruction, Paul quotes the fifth commandment. Immediately after he says this, he quotes the fifth commandment, just in case you're questioning whether or not these things are truly related. They very much are. 
So the primary way that we honor our parents is to obey them. So children, if you get nothing else today, get this. You are called to obey your father and your mother, to do what they tell you, to obey them right away, the first time. To do anything else is to violate the fifth commandment. And I want you to understand how serious this is. Just like we talked about in the Old Testament, how the penalty for disobeying your parents was death. Think, I want you to notice what Paul does here in Romans chapter 1. He's speaking of the outcomes of God giving up the world to a debased mind. Listen to what he says. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. And here in the midst of this list of things that are absolutely despicable, do you know what comes next? Disobedient to parents. So right there in the same mix as murder and haters of God, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. And he continues, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So Paul, in laying out his theology for Gentiles to show them this is what sin does to the world, he says to them, because man refused to acknowledge God, refused to worship God, refused to follow the first, second, third, and fourth commandments, God turned them over to their sinful minds. And in the midst of that, of, what, of God turning them over to wickedness, we find that they are disobedient to parents. This is not a small thing. This is something that has foundational effects upon society and breaks things in ways that we don't even recognize. And so, to honor our parents, we must obey them. The second thing that we must do to honor our parents is we are to care for them when necessary. Jesus speaks about this in Matthew 15, verses 1 through 9, which says this, then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So let me give you a little bit of an explanation here. You see, the Pharisees had come up with this doctrine, and it sounds spiritual on its surface. If you were to say, everything that I have, all of my possessions, all of my money is given to God, you are making a vow. 
You are pledging what you have to go to the Lord if he should need it. Well, see, here's the problem. What the Pharisees were really doing was they were making a loophole. Because honoring their father and mother meant that for Israelites, when their parents were older and their father could no longer work, or if their father were to pass away, they had to take their parents in, take the mother in, take the father in, and they were to care for them. They were to feed them and house them and clothe them, make sure all of their needs were taken care of in the same way that their parents did for them when they were younger. But instead, what they were doing was they were saying, well, look, I I can't use my money to take care of you, mom and dad, because my money is set aside in case God needs it. Now, that was not stopping them from spending for themselves. It was not keeping them from getting what they wanted. It was just a loophole that sounded spiritual to get out of their obligations to honor their mother and their father. And Jesus takes this practice that they had invented and he quotes Isaiah saying, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In other words, a refusal to care for your parents when they need it is the same thing as saying that you love the Lord, but not actually loving the Lord. Now, please hear me, okay? I don't want you to hear me saying, so you can never put your parents in a nursing home. That's not what I'm saying. Because there are situations and circumstances in which that is necessary. Sometimes there are long-term illnesses that require more care than you are equipped to give. My grandmother has had Alzheimer's now for 15 years, maybe even longer. She lives in a nursing home. Because to provide full-time care to my grandmother is not something that my mother or any of her siblings are equipped to do. I do not believe that they are violating God's command to honor their mother by placing her there. Because they go and see her, they make sure that she's well taken care of, they make sure that all of her needs are met and more. They didn't just dump her in the nursing home and say, she's their problem. You see the difference? If you are able, you should care for your parents when they need it. If you are not, make sure that what is needed happens. That's how you care for your parents in this way. Because to not do that is to violate God's moral law. The third way that we are to honor our parents is we are to respect them. This is more of an inference than it is an explicit reference in Scripture, but it is important. To honor your parents is to not speak ill of them unnecessarily. There are times that we must be honest about our parents' failings. Your parents might, be, might have been abusive. Your parents might have done things that are very much not all right. And there are times that we must talk about those things. They are human, after all. But even in talking about those things, those discussions must be done respectfully. And that's a hard thing to do. I say this from my own personal experience. My father was not a good man. He was incredibly abusive. He was incredibly cruel. And yet, 
I am still called to honor him. Even in his death, I am called to honor my father, despite the fact that he is not honorable. And the same is true for all of us. We must speak respectfully of our parents, even though they have all hurt us in various ways. Every one of us in here, even if we would say we had great parents, a great mom, a great dad who never did, who never abused us, we can all still point to ways that our parents hurt us in one way or another. We are still to honor them. Even if they are not honorable, simply by virtue of the fact that they are our parents. By virtue of the office that they hold, so to speak, we are to honor them. We are to show them respect. Now, even in honoring our parents in these ways, we must acknowledge that there are limitations to the fifth commandment. The first one is this, and this is extremely important. You cannot obey your parents over the Lord. You cannot obey your parents over the Lord. I previously spoke of how the fifth commandment is the first of the second table of the law. But let's not forget the fact that it is still the fifth commandment. Our obedience to the first four supersedes our responsibility to honor our parents. And I don't mean this in the manipulative way of the Pharisees, but in a true sense. Because I have heard increasingly so in my generation and the generations that follow, I have heard them make excuses for not having to honor and obey their parents because, oh, well, my parents did this wrong or my parents did that wrong. That's not what I'm talking about here. I am saying to you, if your parents were to say to you, you cannot worship the Lord, you are to say, I must obey God rather than men. After all, Jesus himself says that anyone who does not hate his mother or father or husband or wife or brother or sister or son or daughter is not worthy of being my disciple. To listen to your parents before listening to God is not honoring them. It's not honoring them. And so... If your parents call upon you to disobey the commands of the Lord, disobey your parents. Your pastor is telling you that. Now, listen, make sure you're right. Make sure you're right. Don't fly off half-cocked and be like, well, I don't think, the, I, I got to listen to you because I think this, that, or the other. Make sure you know what you're talking about. But obey God rather than men. The second limitation really is on parents more than it is on children. But this is important. Parents, there are limits to your authority. There are limits to your authority. It is beyond the scope of your authority as parents to insist that your adult children obey you. Especially when your children have families of their own. I have seen many parents lean on the fifth commandment as a way to try to boss their adult children around. Well, no, you, you must do what I say because you have to honor your father and your mother. That is not what the Lord intended. 
Genesis 2.24, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. Once your children are adults and they are out of your home, they are out from your umbrella of care, you no longer have the authority to boss them around, to demand obedience of them. That is narcissism. That is controlling behavior. That is sin. Your job as parents is to train up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and then trust the Lord with them. There comes a point, mom and dad, where you have to be willing to take your hands off and say, I got to let the Lord have this one. I've done my part. I have to let them go. And trust that the Lord loves your children more than you do because he does. And children, you obey your parents as adults by loving and serving Jesus Christ. That's how you obey your father and your mother. That's how you honor them as adults, by loving and serving the Savior. And so, to honor our father and mother, we obey, we respect, we take care of, we recognize the limitations placed upon parental authority. We cannot command obedience outside of God's word. We cannot command obedience of adult children who are outside of our home. But we also need to recognize that the scope of the fifth commandment is broader than just parents and children. Remember I said the family is the central unit upon which society is built upon, right? That's the foundation, but to consider what it means to honor our father and mother, we have to broaden our scope. The context in which this command is given is to the Israelites, and the Israelites are divided into family units. They function as tribes, with elders. Each house within the tribe has elders. And then going down into each individual household. All authority within the nation of Israel is structured around the family unit, both immediate family and extended family. That is the way that their authority is given. That's how their society is structured. And so because of that, recognizing that context, we can and should logically infer that this commandment extends to respecting all earthly authority. We can recognize that. And if you think that I'm just making that up, I'm just kind of pulling it out of thin air, 1 Peter 2.17 says this, Fear God, honor the emperor. The same word that we are told to use in respect to our father and our mother, honor your father and your mother, we're here told to honor the emperor. Well, the emperor is an earthly authority. And remember, in the context of what Peter is writing, the emperor is not exactly a friendly earthly authority. He's not exactly one who is saying, you guys are doing great with this whole worship in Jesus thing. Keep doing what you're doing. He's not really on their team. They're facing persecution. They're struggling. They're suffering. And here's Peter saying, honor the emperor. 
So we see the scope of this respecting of authority, it's broadened out to earthly authority. And this is because all authority is given by God, which is what Paul tells us in Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Now, some might tell you, oh, well, you, you only have to obey the authorities insofar as, that, as, that, as though they're good authorities, right? Well, remember what Peter said about honoring the emperor, who was not good authority, that command to respect and honor earthly authority does not stop when earthly authority is bad because all authority is given by God. And we need to rightly understand that that means that the good, friendly, supportive authority, those are given by God and those that are hostile are also given by God because sometimes... The Lord gives us what we don't deserve in terms of authorities that are friendly to us. And sometimes the Lord gives us what we do deserve. And that's authorities that are hostile to us. And so when we who live in a country like ours say, oh, well, this president I listen to, this president I refuse, we are negating what Paul tells us in Romans 13. No one has authority unless it has been given to him by God. Now, you take that for what it is. The fact that we have the leaders that we do is a judgment of God against this nation. But it's still from God. And so the call to honor the emperor, so to speak, is still in effect for us. With those same limitations. We don't listen and obey to the authorities over against what God says. We recognize that there are limits to the scope of their authority, but we still should speak of them respectfully. Even when they are wicked, we should tell the truth about their wickedness, but we should still do that respectfully because we are to honor everyone. In the beginning of that verse in 1 Peter, he says, honor everyone, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. That honoring extends to all humanity because all are made in God's image. The way that we interact with everyone should be honoring them in a limited fashion. We don't have to obey everyone, but we should respect everyone because they are made in God's image. In Romans 12.1, Paul, speaking to the church, tells them, outdo one another in showing honor. We should be known as people who are constantly seeking to honor everyone else more than they honor us. That is what we are called to do. And again, not in the sense of obedience, but in the sense of love and care and respect. So in the same way that I would take care of my mother if she needed it, I would do the same for any one of you. If one of you suddenly became in need of a place to live, I would say, hey, come live with us. 
If one of you was in need of food, I would say, hey, let's go to the grocery store. And that's not me tooting my own horn. I'm just giving you examples of what this looks like. To outdo one another in showing honor is to embrace the familial nature of the church as the Lord has intended it. We are to honor and obey earthly authorities. We are to honor all people. Those are natural outgrowths of the fifth commandment. Because the fifth commandment is structured upon, built upon the right ordering of human society. The family at its center. That also brings us to the last part of the commandment. And that's our second point today. And I promise you this will not be as long as the first. And that's the commandment with a promise. The commandment with a promise. Exodus 20, 12. Again, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Paul in Ephesians 6 says, this is the commandment with a promise. There's a promise attached to it. But we need to understand the promise rightly. This is not the Lord saying, do this so you'll be blessed. This is not the Lord giving a carrot for obedience. It's not God saying, if you do this right, I'll make sure that your days are long in the land. That's not what's happening here. This is not a reward. This is a demonstration of the inseparable connection between doing things God's way and life being blessed through that obedience. That's what he's talking about. The Lord is saying to the people, if you function and operate in the way that I call you to in my word, good things will happen because you're doing things the way that you're supposed to. That's what he's saying. It's the same as saying, hey kids, if you don't touch the hot stove, your hand won't get burned. God is saying, if you honor your father and mother, if you honor earthly authorities, if you place the family as the central point of your society and structure things in that way, guess what? You'll be blessed because that's the way it's supposed to be. Now, we live in a fallen world that is filled with sin. We are all sinners. Our parents are all sinners. Some of you might be hearing that for the very first time. I'm sorry to have to shock you in this way, but your parents are sinners. And so we have to rightly understand that simply saying, well, I honor my parents is automatically going to mean that everything is going to be all right. But I promise you this, the mess that our world is in right now would not be happening if every single person honored their father and their mother. That doesn't mean we'd be perfect. It doesn't mean we'd be free of sin. But we would not be having the conflicts and issues that we are having right now. Those things would not exist. That's what the Lord is saying here. This is not a promise that we will have lives that are free from trouble and pain. 
but instead that we will know the blessing of living within the perfect will of the Lord and trusting him completely with our future. If we do what the Lord calls us to, it's much easier to trust him with what happens next. If we feel like, well, I got to do it my way and figure out my, my, my way to handle these things and I got to get it all together for myself, you don't have rest. You don't have peace. You have inner turmoil because you're constantly thinking, well, I need to fix this. I need to do it right. The commandment brings a promise because God's way is best. The commandment brings a promise because our first father is the Lord. That is the, he is the one that we honor first and foremost. And if all of us honored our first father, again, our lives would be blessed. And the way that we honor the Lord is by submitting ourselves to Christ fully. And some of us, when we think about this command to honor our father and mother, it's a struggle. It's a struggle because of who our parents might be. I was blessed with a good mother alongside a terrible father. Some of us were not blessed with either. And that makes commands like honor your father and mother especially difficult. But the calling that we have from the Lord in situations like that is to see our parents as a reflection of both the goodness of God as well as a reminder of our fallen nature. Because they're both. When I think about my father, I see my father as a reflection of my fallen nature. But I also see the goodness of God. Because I would not be standing before you as your pastor today if my father was a good father. If he was not the broken man that he was. Because my father's abuse and mistreatment of his family led us down a path that led me to salvation. That led me to submitting to his call to ministry. That led me to serving as your pastor. I see the goodness of God in that. That is how we should view those circumstances. As a reflection of God's goodness and of our fallen nature. And then we trust the Lord with the outcome as we honor them. And the same holds true of earthly authorities. When earthly authorities are wicked and not worthy of honor, we honor them anyway. Because what are they reflections of? The goodness of God and our fallen nature. But ultimately, we don't find our hope in our parents. Even if your parents were great parents who loved the Lord well, who loved you well, who never mistreated you, even if your parents were amazing, we do not find our hope in our parents. That's one of the big mistakes that Israel made. They thought they had hope in their lineage. There is no hope in your lineage. There is no hope in your bloodline because we are all children of Adam. Our hope, our rest comes in Christ. Because even the best of parents and even your best honoring of your parents that you can offer, 
is not going to lead to the desired results because only God can do that. That's not a testimony of God's failure, but rather our sin because we are sinful people honoring sinful authorities in the best way that we can. But Christ has perfectly honored authority, even sinful authority. And I want you to think about that for a moment. The creator of all things, the one by and for and through whom all things exist, submitted to broken earthly authorities, submitted to sinful men, honored a sinful mother, don't let the Catholics hear me say that, honored a sinful mother and a sinful stepfather all the days of his life. When we say, I can't honor my parents, you don't know what they did to me. I say, look to Christ, who honored earthly authorities that mocked him, that spit on him, that beat him, and killed him. Because it is what God called him to do. He did not honor them because they deserved it. He honored them by virtue of their position. And in his perfect obedience, <coughs> excuse me, in his perfect obedience, we have life. And so today I encourage you to find your hope and your rest in Christ because he alone is worthy. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for our parents. And we thank you for the call from your word to honor them. And Father, I pray that we would do that. That we would be people who honor our parents, who honor earthly authorities, even when they are not honorable. That we, would, that we would strive to be more like Jesus who did that very thing. And Father, I pray that we would not rest upon our own efforts, but that we would find our hope in Christ and Christ alone. We pray this in his name. Amen.